0: If you have your Bibles this morning, you can be turning back to the Old Testament, to the book of 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3, I'm excited that you're here today as we're in week 2 of our series that we're calling Godly Wisdom. What we're doing is we're looking at the life of Solomon. Uh, as we go through this series uh, We began this series last week by basically digging into uh, the history of Solomon a little bit Trying to learn and figure out uh, uh, We, we kind of uncovered some family secrets of Solomon and what was going on there we, came, uh, we learned that he came from a pretty interesting family background Interesting as in uh, they would have made a great soap opera Uh, I don't know, some of you may not even know what a soap opera is, uh, but uh, I remember I was raised on soap operas. My grandmother uh, didn't work. I stayed with her a lot. She watched uh, as the world turns religiously. uh, Days of our lives uh, began to uh, be one that even, yes, your pastor got hooked on. Uh, I would go home for lunch and watch it. Days that I couldn't go home for lunch and watch it, I would tape it on those... uh, Uh, ancient VCR tapes that we all used to have, and uh, these are the days of our lives. But uh, you look at the story of Solomon, you're like, you know, actually, that would have made a great soap opera. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty interesting. Uh, And we talked about last week, just because you may have a complicated past... And a family that would make a great soap opera, that doesn't mean that God can't use you for great ways, in great ways, in the days ahead. We talk a lot about around here about the fact that our past uh, does not have to define our future. Your crazy, messed up family does not have to define uh, your future and what God wants to do in your life uh, in the days ahead. And so uh, Solomon becomes king, and we find out through just a crazy series of events, he becomes king at the age of 20. Alright, so can you imagine becoming king put in a position like that? That kind of power, that kind of control uh, at the age of 20 years old. And so in 1 Kings chapter 3, uh, we saw this in verse number 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. And so, last week, we began to unpack, we began to look at uh, exactly what it was that Solomon asked for. And not only what it was, but why it was that Solomon asked for what he asked for. So, just a a quick recap from last week. What was it that Solomon asked for? Well, we saw it in verse number 9, where Solomon said this. So, give your servant a discerning heart. To govern your people and to distinguish between what is right and what is wrong. So Solomon is asking for something huge here. Much bigger than I think we realize when we just read this as a story. Solomon is asking for, for, for something really great. And that is godly wisdom. Okay? So that's the what that he asked for. This huge thing. And he says God, I want to have the kind of wisdom you have. I want to be able to see what you see. To hear what you hear. To be able to discern things the way you do. To know the difference uh, between good and evil. And we talked about last week why that was going to be important in the days ahead for Solomon uh, being the king. And so why was it that it was godly wisdom that he asked for? Why did Solomon, if he's given one wish, and I'm sure uh, if many of us were given one wish wisdom might not be the number one thing that we would ask for so we began to look at why was it that Solomon asked for this But we see it right here in the Scripture. It says so that he can govern God's people and be able to distinguish between what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's evil, uh, and for him to to be able to do that. He went on to say, because who is able to govern this great people of yours? He's talking to God. Solomon understood that he was inadequate. He understood that he was small. He He understood he didn't have all the answers. He was only 20 years old. Sound like a pretty wise 20-year-old to me because most 20-year-olds think they have all the answers, right? Wisdom was, uh, Solomon was smart enough to know that he didn't. He also understood, we saw last week, that God's purposes are greater. God's purposes are greater than our purposes. God's purposes were greater than Solomon's purposes. And so Solomon was asking God for something that was kingdom-focused and something that wasn't. Solomon focused and we learned last week that this is a great template for us when we pray it would be a great model for us to use as we're asking God for things in our lives. And we pray and we seek Him and we ask Him. And, 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 and so, uh, you know, these are the things that, that when we pray, we need to be sure and focus on the fact that when we're praying, are we praying these things uh, for our good? Or are we praying them for His good? Are we praying them so His kingdom might increase? Or are we praying so that our kingdom uh, might increase? And so here's... What I want us to dig into uh, today because I believe this is probably one of the biggest obstacles when we approach God and ask God to do something in our lives or do something for us. I believe one of the biggest obstacles uh, in our prayer life, and this is huge, what we see Solomon do here is Solomon prays, listen, believing that God will do what he said. Solomon prays. Praise! he asked God believing that God will do what God said he would do and that's what I want us to dig into today that's what I want us to unpack as followers of Jesus is it is following the example that Solomon gave us here Solomon asked God believing that God would do what he says and so he believes that God's going to give it to him Let's look at verse number 6 and let's see where Solomon gets this confidence that he has uh, in God. So God said in verse number 5, he says, ask me anything and I'll give it to you. And here's what Solomon said. Verse 6, he answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David. You've continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Do you know what that is right there? Do you know what Solomon is doing right here? He's looking back. He's looking back. I love this. Solomon is looking back at the past activity of God. He's looking back at the past faithfulness uh, of God and what he's doing here. And, and so I, I believe we, because we see what happens here in this story, I believe it's okay for us to do as well. But what's Solomon doing? He's repeating God's faithfulness back to God. He's repeating it back to him. He's reminding God, he's telling God of a promise that God had made before. And that promise in Scripture was this. It was to his father David. And he said, David, I'm going to make your throne great. The promise was that, David, I'll make your throne great. And not only that, but you will never fail to have a descendant sitting on your throne. And so this is the basis for why Solomon is asking what he's asking for. This is super important for us understanding this today and I hope you're, you you follow me as 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 we're going through this because honestly As I was thinking about that, I've told you before, when I read Scripture, I like to kind of plug myself into it. I like to pretend that I'm one of the people, you know, there, or or I'm there standing by watching or whatever, you know. I just, it kind of helps me uh, maybe relate a little better to Scripture. But as I was reading this and studying this, I thought, you know, if I was Solomon right here, and God appeared to me, and he asked me this, you know, uh, if I was going to give God the reason why he should answer my prayer... If I was going to give God a reason why he should give me what it was that I was asking for, you know, I, I, I probably would have started more like this. Well, God, I hate to be that guy, but could I just remind you that about 90 seconds ago, you appeared to me in a dream and you said that I could have whatever it was that I asked for. So that's why I'm asking, you know, because just a while ago you told me, You know, that's what I I should do. But that's not what Solomon points to here. Because he recognizes that there is even a bigger reason than this dream that he is having. And that's what God had already promised. That's what God had already promised for them in his word. And listen, that's really good news for us today. And I hope you get that and I hope you understand that because the reason that it's really, really good news for us today is because that's something that you and I also have okay? That's something that you and I all have access to, you know, uh, uh, because chances are that you've probably never had a dream like this. I'm I'm just saying, you probably never had a dream like this dream that Solomon had. Uh, I know I haven't. God's never appeared to me and said, you know, ask me whatever it is that you want. I've never had that dream. You know, today, if he did, probably the first thing off my mind would be, could could the Razorbacks win a game? You know, but, you know, I I don't know. You have to be careful if God ever shows up to you in a dream, what you're going to say or what you're going to ask for but here's what we do have here's what we do have, here's what I have I have the same scriptures in my Bible that hold the same promises that Solomon had the exact same ones, they are no different right, and and that means that the promises that are in our Bibles, that, that are made in the Bible are the same promises that I can believe for myself and Jesus tells us, he says ask for these things in my name These promises have been made. These claims have been promised, so you ask for them in my name. And so if that's the case, what should our prayers sound like? You know, how should we be praying? You know, I think it would be okay to say this. God, your word gives us a promise. And your word promises that you're going to build up a group of people on this earth that will bring salvation to others. You're going to build up a group of people that are going to experience your joy. A group of people that are going to experience your blessings and that would extend that joy and extend that blessings all the way to the ends of the earth. And so, you know what, God? You said it. You promised it. So I'm going to claim it and I'm going to ask for it in Jesus' name because that's exactly what you told us to do. You told us to claim it in your name and then believe that he's going to do it because he said he would. That's what Solomon's doing here, so I think it's okay. You know, and honestly, y'all, when I think about this, I get kind of excited. I don't know if you can tell. I actually worked up a sweat in the first service. Uh, I could preach for two hours about this today, but I promise I won't because I won't, uh, I'm starving. But Psalm chapter 2, verse 8, uh, it says this, Ask me, I love this, I, I don't think we pay close enough attention to Scripture sometimes. He says, Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance. he's telling us to ask him for the nations as our inheritance. We pray so small. (laughs) We pray so small. He says, ask for the nations as your inheritance. This is so good. That means that we can ask God. God, would you give the Greenbrier Nazarene Church the ability to transform nations with the gospel? Would you give us the ability and the opportunity to be able to extend the good news and the gospel message of Jesus to the entire world? That's what it's telling us. And he will do that. You know, we pray for our little holy huddle. We pray for our families. That's good. We pray for close friends. That's good. We pray for the churches around us. That's good. He's saying, pray for the nations as your inheritance. Think bigger. Right? 1 John chapter 5. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. We have uh, have a, a lot of reasons to be able to confidently approach the throne of God. It says this is the confidence that we have to be able to do that. That if we ask anything according to his will, his kingdom... Not ours, right? That's his will. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. We can boldly approach the throne and ask for great things in his name. As long as it falls within his kingdom and not my kingdom. In our kingdom. Matthew twenty-one, twenty-two. If you believe, you will receive what you ask for in prayer. Claim that promise in your life. Right? How do we not read these promises and just get filled of this sense of what God wants to do in our lives? And he don't want to do this small little stuff that people can hardly recognize or we have to dig and scrape to figure out that God's in it. He wants to do great things for us. He wants to give us great things. He wants us to have wonderful things. He wants to fill us with his riches and his glory. You know, and, and that kind of sounds like prosperity preaching there, doesn't it? But, and some of you know that I've, I've said, you know, these guys that say name it and claim it, I'm, I'm kind of against that. And so, uh, but, but I'm going to tell you, when I read this, I have to say, I have to admit, I'm into the prosperity gospel. <laughs> I'm into the prosperity gospel this morning, but not the prosperity of your kingdom, but the prosperity of God's kingdom. <laughs> I believe in that. So we need to be praying big. We need to be praying huge. We need to be praying for greatness. For great things about what God wants to do in and through our lives. And I look at these stories in Scripture. I mean, we sing about it. We teach our kids in Sunday school. Many of you have been raised up reading these stories. We can tell them verbatim practically without even looking at God's Word. And we look at these stories in Scripture and we're like, God, you did it back then. Would you do it today? Right? He did it back then. God, you did it in their generation. God, would you do it in our generation? Because His Word tells us this. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. His power has not diminished. He still will do miracles. He will do the same things that He used to do. He wants to do them today, and He wants to do them uh, in the days ahead. Our generation needs to come to faith in Christ Jesus. And our generation, I don't know about you, but I want to experience what God has done in the past. I want to experience that today. Because listen, here's the deal. We're not just responsible for our family. We're not just responsible for our church. We're responsible for this entire generation that is on this world right now. We're responsible for them. It's our responsibility. We've been put here to share the gospel with the world. And it's, it, it, we are the only hope of them hearing about Jesus, our Lord. And so, I, you know, we should be praying, God, we can't do that. You're going to have to make us great so that we can. Uh, not for our sake, right? But like Solomon prayed, not for our sake, but for whose sake? For their sake. For their sake. They're the ones that need us to be great. They're the ones that need us to be taking our message to the entire world. It's not for our sake, but it's for their sake. Make us great for the sake of God's great people, right? That he created. Good, been a good place saying amen. And I need a drink. Because I've told you, I'm a little excited about this. But y'all aren't yet, but you will be. Or we'll just stay in this series until Christmas. And, and here's the deal. And I, and I want you to hear me. I, I love you guys. You know, I, I want God to do great things in your lives uh, for his glory. But, but here's the deal. I think we might make a huge mistake When we think that God's greatest works are a thing of the past, see what I'm saying? You know, we look back and go, wow, that was awesome. And so I think too many times we're guilty of thinking that God's greatest works have already happened. You know, they're not. He wants to work in our generation today. He wants to do that. He wants to work in your family. He wants to do great things in your family. He wants to do great things uh, in our church and in our community. Y'all, I say this all the time, but we've been put here for such a time as this. We've been placed at this location, at this very moment, at this point in history, so that we can ask God, great things of God for this generation. <laughs> so Solomon, he asked God for wisdom. He asked for godly wisdom. Now I know that some of you this morning that are here are probably really cynical. And I know that because I'm one of you. I understand cynics because I are one. <laughs> uh, and so some of this is hard to buy. It's great preaching, but it's kind of hard you know, for some of you to buy into, because the stories that happened in the Bible, uh, we just don't see some of that stuff happen today. I mean, we, we don't. And this whole dream thing here, that Solomon experience, that all sounds a little weird. I mean, we all have weird dreams sometimes. So, you know, you, you may be questioning that, not too sure about all that. But, you know, you, you, you might honestly say, but Steve, if God ever does appear to me in a dream and ask me this, I appreciate you preaching on this because I'll know exactly how to respond and what to say. Um, but you wouldn't tell me that. I mean, none of you would actually say what I just said. But I know that some of you are probably thinking it. And so I just want to try to respond to uh, that this morning. First thing is this. and Stay with me. I, w- I want you to think about this. Jesus is greater than Solomon. Are you with me? He's greater, you know. Jesus has more wisdom than Solomon. Amen? So Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived until Jesus comes along. You follow me? All right. So that means this. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, what takes place? His Spirit comes and dwells in us. Okay? He comes and lives in us, which tells me... Now, tell me if I'm wrong. That makes us... That gives us the ability to be greater than Solomon. All right, you were with me till then. Now you're having your doubts. I think I just proved my case. Jesus is greater than Solomon. Jesus is wiser than Solomon. Jesus is living within me. He's living within you through the power of his Spirit if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, which means to me, I can be even wiser than Solomon. I can be even greater than Solomon because of Jesus living in me and doing His work in me. And we're going to get into that more next week because I only have two hours this morning. And so we'll come back next week for that part. But the promise of this story, and I love this, I'm going to move over from the Old Testament because a lot of people go, well, you're hung up on the Old Testament, so I always like to bring in the New Testament because some of you are all about that. This story is basically retold verbatim in the New Testament in James chapter 1. Uh, uh, and so check it out. Starting at verse number 5. Look at what it says. It says, it's, If any of you lacks wisdom. That was Solomon, right? If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Don't miss this. God is an equal opportunity God. Okay? It says here that he gives to all. That means you. There are no qualifications here on that. Right? He just says all. It doesn't matter how big of a mess you may have gotten yourself in. It doesn't matter how dumb or how smart that you think you are. You are in that all. You. But he's also not making a promise that he'll make the human race smarter as a whole. What does he do here? He makes it personal. He makes it personal. He says, if you lack wisdom, if you lack wisdom in your situation right now, and you've read the Bible, like we talked about last week, if you've read the Bible and you still don't know what to do, I'll give you the wisdom. I'll give you what you need to make the right decision if you ask. You, he makes it personal. He makes it personal. It's a personal promise to you. And not only does he promise it to you, but this is my favorite part of this. How does he give it to us? Huh? He gives it to you generously. Huh? He gives it to you generously without finding fault. Some translations may say uh, that he gives generously and ungrudgingly. Other other translations say uh, without reproach. Well, what does that mean? Well, that basically means this. He gives it to you generously without lecture. (laughs) He gives it to you without a lecture. And and you know why I love this part of this promise? It means that when I ask God for help, you know, God in heaven who's sitting up there on his throne and I cry out to God for help, he doesn't turn to Jesus and go, it's Thrasher again, can you believe this? You know, and he's gotten himself into another mess being an idiot like he's always been. You know, and and now he has the audacity to call out to me in this situation after he did what I told him not to do. And he's got himself in this mess and I'm going to go down there and I'm going to give that kid uh, a piece of my mind. That's what I'm going to do. Any of you ever go to your parents for advice? And they give it to you after a 30-minute lecture (laughs) about why you shouldn't have got yourself in that situation to begin with, right? Listen, don't miss this. God says, I'm not like that. That's not what I do. God says, the moment that you turn to me for repentance, the moment that you turn to me for help, all you get from me is help. Right? Some, some of you feel like you've messed up your life so, so bad that you can't really cause, call out to God for help because you feel like there's a lot of repair work that you've got to do you know, but, but before uh, you can somehow get yourself in a situation to where you can even approach God or ask God so that He'll be able to hear you and maybe even help you. The gospel is this. We sang about it earlier. Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. The gospel is that Jesus took the full punishment for your sin. He took it all, which means that not a drop of suffering or a drop of payment remains for you. Not one drop. It means that you don't have to endure a lecture to make up for what you did because Jesus endured all that for you in your place. He took your place. He took your punishment. And, and all of that got poured out on him. So now the moment that you call out to God for help, he has, he has nothing except help for you. And, and he wants to do that. But don't get me wrong, okay? I don't want you to get me wrong. Because there are consequences to sin. And sometimes cleaning up uh, the effects and the consequences of sin may take some time. That doesn't happen in an instant. But restoration with God... All right, restoration with God, trying to get God on your side, that happens immediately when you humble yourself and you call out to Him. Now, we're going to move on. Because there are a couple of qualifications that James gives us here in this passage. And for you cynics, you just went, I knew it, fine print, there's always fine print, right? right. But there are some things that he gives us here that he just wants us to know will kill our prayer. It will kill what we're asking God to do. So here's how not to ask for wisdom. And he says this, don't doubt. All right, look at verse 6 there. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So if you're going to ask God for His wisdom, you've got to believe that He's going to give it to you. Right? And if you don't believe He's going to give it to you, then He's not. That's what this says. If you don't believe that he's going to, then he's not. And it's not his fault, it's your fault. <laughs> okay? So don't doubt. Stop it with the doubts. He says that's, that's double-minded. And being double-minded basically means that we don't know if we believe... He's going to do what he said he was going to do. That's being double minded. In one breath, it's saying we believe God will do it, but then we ask, not really sure that we believe that God's going to do it. That's what being double minded is. It's kind of like this we come to God and we say, God, you know what? Here's what I'd like for you to do. I want you to give me your ideas. I want to know what you think about this, God, and I'll listen. And I'll take some great notes in my bulletin and I'll file it in my Bible with all the other great advice that you've given me in the past. And I'll consider it. And then I'll make my decision. And God's basically saying, you won't get one thing from me like that. In order to get my wisdom... You've got to surrender to it before you even know what it is. (laughs) And here's another thing. We can't disregard God's wisdom that we already have. We talked a little bit last week about the importance of the wisdom that's in God's Word. And listen, you already have 66 books of wisdom right now sitting in your lap or on your smartphone, and that's a great place for us to start to get some godly wisdom. Psalm one nineteen nine says this, How can a young person stay on the path of purity or remain wise? By living according to your word. And the more you know the Bible, the more godly wisdom you're going to have. That's just the bottom line. The more you're in his word, the wiser you're going to be. And it's not just his word. His word is a great source of wisdom for us. But there are other means that God has given us for godly wisdom. And one of those main ones after his word, I believe, is the church. Frank agrees. We'll convince you all before we leave here. But the church, listen, is God's body. People say, I don't need the church. I'll home church. I don't need to go to church. Listen, then you're saying you don't need God's body in your life. How ludicrous does that even sound? Right? The church is God's body that he puts his spirit in. I know this isn't popular preaching, but God didn't call me to be popular. Not trying to get elected. (laughs) All right? The, The church is God's body that he puts his spirit in to counsel you through situations where you need godly advice and godly wisdom. The church is a part of that. And I love you. But can I just tell you that I believe that it's insecure for you to ask God for wisdom about something and not be deeply connected to the church. And and by the way, since I've gone down this path, let's call a spade a spade. I'm here. This may be the last time. We may not finish this series, but... A lot of people today, their engagement with the church is that they show up about twice a month to hear me talk. That's not connected. That's not connected. I'm talking about being in a place where people know your name. I'm talking about being in a place where people know who you are. They know your kids. They know your grandkids. They know your situations. They know what you're going through. And they can speak into your life. And they can encourage you and give you godly wisdom because they know you. And they care about you. And until you find yourself in that kind of situation, that kind of connection with the body of Christ, you have cut yourself off from one of the greatest resources of godly wisdom that is available to you today. Job 12, 12 specifically says that he wants to use older people. He wants to use older people in the church to speak wisdom into our lives. So don't ask God for wisdom and then separate yourself from the very means of that wisdom that comes from his body, the church. And if you've been in church very long, you've heard this cheesy story, this cheesy illustration. I'm going to tell it. I'm going to change it, but it's still a cheesy story. But anyway... There's this guy whose town is flooding, right? The water's rising, it's getting higher and higher and higher. He climbs up on the roof of his house. and He begins to cry out to God for help. He says, God, please help me. You know, please save me. I need you to do a miracle and save me from this flood. A boat comes along, pulls up to the house. They tell the guy to get in the boat. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I prayed to God. Ask God to save me. I'm waiting on him to do a miracle. And so the boat pulls away to rescue the next family down the road. The water continues to rise. It gets higher. He calls out to God in great desperation. God, save me. Help me. About that time, a rescue helicopter hovers over the house, lowers a basket, says, get in the basket. We'll save you. He says, no, I'm good. I'm good. I prayed to God. He's going to save me. The water continued to rise. Swept the house away. The man drowns and he dies. He gets to heaven. meets St. Peter uh, there at the gate. The guy is ticked. You know, he says, I just don't get it. Peter, I prayed to God. I asked God to save me and he left me there to die. Why didn't God answer my prayer? St. Peter goes, dude, we sent you. We did answer your prayer. We sent you a boat. We even sent you a helicopter. You're too dumb to live. Right? And we hear that and go, ha, ha, ha. That's dumb. That would never happen. But honestly, and I'm not trying to be mean, but that's no dumber than asking God for wisdom. And separating yourself from the very means that he said he was going to give it to you. Listen, if you are casually connected to church, then you are casually connected to the wisdom of God. And so don't complain when you make really bad decisions. Because you've separated yourself from the very means that God has given you to have wisdom. And some of you need to get into church You need to get connected. You need to get active. Get involved in Bible studies, Sunday school, small groups, volunteering. Some of you are not just neglecting relationships in the church. Some of you are trying your best to avoid having relationships in the church because you don't like what people in the church have to say. So how can we expect to get anything from God if we come in with that mindset? Well, I chased that rabbit way too far down that trail. But it needed to be chased. Okay? Let me wrap up this morning. So what happened? What happened here in our story? Did God answer Solomon's prayer? Did God give Solomon what he asked for? Oh, did he ever. Let's go on down to uh, verse number 10. 1 Kings chapter 3. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you've asked for this, and not for long life, or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? But wait, there's more. I will give you a wise and discerning heart. So that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor. So that in your lifetime, you will have no equal among kings. Listen, don't miss this. Because Solomon asked for the benefit of God's kingdom and not his own God threw in all these other things as well. Y'all are tough today. In the podcast that we released this week, and if you haven't listened to it, figure out a way. Find a way. Find somebody that knows what a podcast is and say, I got to hear it. It's called Saints of the Church, part one we released this past week. We played a part of it in last week's uh, service, but the first interview in part one that was done, uh, focusing on the history of the church, talking about the church of the past, uh, the very first one, uh, Pat Iberg and Mary Freeman were interviewed. It's an incredible interview, you've got to go listen to it, Uh, but I believe Mary Ann summed up what... Is happening here. She summed it up perfectly in the interview that she did. She said this at one point She said, I have been young, but now I'm old. Not, nothing bad. There's nothing wrong with that. It's better to be old than dead. Uh, but she said, I've been young and I've been old, which means young people listen, listen to this. What that means is you should listen. <laughs> I've been young, but now I'm old and I'm wiser. So, you should be listening because with age comes great wisdom. And then she shared this verse Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And I'll share it with y'all the King James Version because that's how she had it memorized. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, seek that first. And all these things shall be added unto you. We have this so backwards so often. If you will seek his kingdom first, not your kingdom, but God's kingdom. If you will seek his kingdom first, then all these things will be added unto you. All right, don't miss this. This is exactly what Solomon experienced. Do you see it? It's exactly what he experienced. When he sought God's kingdom, what did God do? He gave him so much more. And I want to be careful here today because I don't want to imply that you can pray this prayer and then win the lottery this week, okay? That's not not what I mean. But this does show us a lot about the character of God. And what he desires for his children. And what he wants for you and for me. If you seek first God's kingdom. For God's kingdom's sake. Don't miss this. He throws in so much more. So much more. So much more joy. So much more peace and happiness and provision. And abundance. That's these things that he's talking about here. These things, listen, when you put Jesus first, let me tell you what, you'll find happiness. When you put Jesus first, you'll find peace in your relationships. When you put Jesus first, let me tell you what else will happen. You will be content with what you have. But if you start searching first for these things, and you start searching first for those things, can I just tell you, you're never going to find them. You're never going to find them. You're never going uh, to have them. But seek Jesus and his will and his wisdom. And your life will be filled with these things. He told you that. It's a promise. Put his kingdom first. And he will blow your mind with these things that take place. And there's a lot, boy, there's a lot to consider here. And Honestly, I could go another hour, but I won't. But we're going to dig in even deeper into this over the next few weeks, talking about godly wisdom and looking at how Solomon pursued that, how it affected his life, and how it can affect your life and your family and our church and, I believe, the world if we'll seek these things. But putting his kingdom first, his kingdom first. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much today for your incredible presence uh, that's here today. I want to thank you enough. I I want to thank you for loving us enough to speak these truths into our hearts and our lives. It's not always comfortable to hear. Uh, Sometimes we want to push back. But God, you love us enough to speak directly to our hearts and to to our souls and and to give us what we need. And, And the question that's before us here today... It's what is it that we want most? What is it that we want most? And that's not a question that we should take lightly. Because if what we want most is like Solomon, and we ask for wisdom to do your will and to build your kingdom, not only will you give it, but I believe we'll be shocked by what else you do and what else you throw in. And so today I pray that many of us here today that we just ask for that and say, you know what, I want that more than anything. I want to build your kingdom. I want to be a part of building your kingdom. I I, I want to put that first in my life. I want that more than anything. I want that more than money. I want that more than my career, my business, good health. God, I just pray that we become a people and a, a church that would seek your kingdom first. And God, I continue to pray that you would make our church great. I pray that you would do it. I pray that you would make us great, not for our sake, but for the sake of this great community that you've given us to reach. I pray that we wouldn't lose our focus and and somehow make it about our kingdom, but that it would always be about your kingdom and your kingdom work. And God, I'm just going to thank you in advance today for all these things that are going to be added to our lives and to our families and to our church because we put your kingdom first. We love you and we praise you. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that I ask these things and I pray. Amen. Amen. love you guys. I hope you have a wonderful day. Don't forget, we need candy volunteers. You can pick up shoeboxes. shoebox.